Hello everyone, you're listening to The Brilliant Bugle, the number one place to get a climate fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. United's long wait for a win at Newport goes on as they're held to a draw in South Wales. We look back on the stalemate of Rodney Parade while looking forward to this week's trip to Grimsby Town and the visit of Crew Alexandra to Brunton Park this weekend. Yeah, 33 years of hurt. Never stopped us dreaming, eh? That, that, oh, win, at, that win at Newport, that, it's still, it's still, we still haven't won a Roddy Parade, actually, to be fair. That's one word. Fourth, fourth draw, wasn't it? Yeah, because I think it was Somerton Park they used to play at, wasn't it, before um, yeah. before they got uh, kicked out of the league originally. So, uh, so yeah, it, it, yeah, it, quite a few draws now there. So it's, it's it's getting a little bit frustrating. Just can't quite get over the line, can we? But um, overall, we'll, we'll come on to it in a minute. But yeah, reasonably. Yeah, we've gone our last three games there. Yeah, it's 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 just it's one of those things, isn't it? And mm. actually, in all three of those games, we probably should have won as well. With, with, the number of chances and bit. I mean, mm. this weekend maybe a little bit more balanced than the others, but but there you go. Uh, how are you doing, mate? You okay? Good. Yeah, not too bad. Cheers. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, we'll get straight into it. Basically, we're doing. I would some... say a little bit different this week, aren't we? Because uh, work schedules and that, and Mike's on holiday in Florida, so yeah. double header early in the week. Yeah, it's unusual because normally we do the double header on a Friday, don't we? But this time round, we were like, well. It was, it was always going to be a struggle to get the crew one in, especially as um, without giving too much away. I'm going to be up in Carlisle on Thursday, and uh, yes, we're, hopefully you'll see some special episodes coming in the near future as a result of that. Uh, can't tell you too much, can we, just yet, Dan? But no, no. people can probably put uh, two and two together with that one, I think it's fair to say. Right, uh, as usual, reminder that our sponsor for the podcast is the Car United Supporters Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Car United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and, of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up for away trips as well as arranging many social events, sports games and doing fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for the away games part of the previous section this season. You can find out more about London Branch at their website, carlolondonbranch.org. There you go. That's the sponsors bit out of the way. Uh, big thanks to them as usual. Um, reminder as well, if you don't already, subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you use, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast. Just search for The Brilliant Bugle, click subscribe, and every time a new episode comes out, you'll get a little alert saying, new episode's here, and uh, click download and listen, listen to it at your leisure. Um, and also, if you can give us a review on any of those apps, I think it's as we said before, Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts are the main ones, and we've got some really good reviews and they're very generous. Thank you very much. And if you, if you haven't already, please do that because it really does help us. It gets more people to know about the podcast too. Uh, and on social media, followers at Brunton Bugle on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook, uh, Brunton Bugle. Search it and click like. And uh, we're on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group and on the Cummins.net message board. And you can email us, bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Right, let's get into the news then, Dad. A couple of little bits of news this week. Mm. Uh, it's been quite a few weeks. We've finally got a couple of bits. Uh, a bit that broke on Friday after we recorded, actually, wasn't it? Um, and this is a, a loan move for one of the youth goalkeepers. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, a little bit of a delay there. I, was, I left it for you to explain it rather than me. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, 
youth team keeper. Uh, sorry, my phone cover's just bloody <laughs> covered up. Sorry, it's uh, Lewis, Boyd. Lewis Boyd. Yes, has joined Carlisle City on what they deem a work experience. Uh, that's basically so a loan move for a youth team player, isn't it? A work experience. Yeah, it's, it's and we've been based in Carlisle. It's uh, basically still trains with us. Probably yeah. goes down and does a bit of training with them, yeah. and uh, plays for them. Yeah, it's a good little move. I mean. I feel sorry for Lewis because he's in a he's in a really tough situation as a, a youth team guy. Because any other youth team player come before you know, like Sam Fishburne gets a pro deal, right? And Nick Bellardo and and all the other you know youth strikers can still look and think, oh, I've still got a chance of getting a deal here. But Lewis Boyle must look and think, well, there's two goalkeepers there who've been getting professional <laughs> deals. Yeah, they're very highly rated. I'm going to have to be, you know I'm going to have to be extraordinarily good probably to have a chance. So that's not to dismiss him and say he hasn't got any chance, but... He's, uh, he's a big lad as well. He is, yeah. He's, yeah, a, good, he's, he's a good 6 2 six, three already. Yeah, and he's only 17, so he's got every chance yeah. of getting we, going we, out. We, we, we breed big goalies up this way, don't yeah. we? We, we? We have got a habit of breeding good goalkeepers as well, not just big ones. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it, 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 I think it's a good move for him, isn't it? Get a bit of men's football into him now, nice and early, and give him a chance to show what he can actually do, potentially, because... I can't remember. Are Simons and Fishburne both out of contract this summer or have they got another year? Simons and Breeze. Breeze, sorry. Simons and Breeze. I think. Uh, I'll have to check. I have a feeling they are, but I think there might be an option there possibly. Yeah, so. I'm pretty sure there'll be be an option. And they seem to rate them both highly, so I won't be surprised if they end up yeah. staying probably for another year. But um, but but yeah, it, 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 it could move for him, isn't it? I think he made his debut at the weekend, didn't he? I think they got beat by, was it Paddyham? I think they got beat by at the weekend. Yeah, 100% certain on that one, but it was a close game from what I remember. It was only maybe 1 or 2 now. I probably should have checked that before we recorded. But, uh, Who was that? Carlisle City? Carlisle City, yeah. Uh, Taulor. Taulor, sorry, you're right. It was someone else who yes. played by him. I think Where I have been to watch Carlisle United in a friendly. Was that the, um, the, the the friendly we had to play for signing Brian Wake, was it, by any chance? I possibly related to that, but I know it was on a Friday night. It was a 7 o'clock kickoff, and we decided to go at 5 past 6. So we shot over the 69 and onto the 68. And if anyone's ever been to Taulor, is it? It's, uh, it's an interesting place. I've heard it described at the time that Lund forgot, basically. It was uh, quite, quite yeah. something else. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's yeah. interesting. Interesting indeed. Um, right, well, the only other bit of news, Dan, is the fact that the uh, tickets have gone on sale for Hartlepool Away. Obviously, Hartlepool Away is uh, in a couple of weeks' time. And... Um, Something stood out to this, and you you spotted this. And quite a few of us have spotted this. Is the allocation yeah. for this game? Yeah, it's very reduced. Uh, Six hundred eighty-five, I think it was. Mm. We normally get about a thousand, don't yeah. we? And I think, I think this is in response to there's been a few broken chairs the last couple of visits and well, whatnot. And others have pointed out that they've covered up the front seat, like the front couple of rows of seats. Yeah, and yeah, it might not be just because of us that that's happened, but I have a feeling. That it's one of the many catalysts of this that yeah. us and maybe a couple of other clubs have gone there probably not behaved themselves that much, and as a result, they're like the police have been like in, in a business. slight defence. The Hartley pull away is old, oh. it is knackered, and the seats are useless. So, I, I would don't, don't get me wrong, but there will be some that have been snapped deliberately, not yeah. arguing that, but I think one or two have possibly also been damaged when yeah. celebrating yeah. a goal, well, except for you know, because I'll, of that old. I was actually going to say this as well. That's a, it's a fair point, that. And the point I've got is with that is that the problem with Harlepool, it, it is a small, it's a tight, and it's a, it's a, and it's a horrible away end. I, I, it, it's not as bad as Barrow, for instance, but it's, 
you know, it's not great. There's pillars all the way along the, the seats. Yeah. It's basically a terracing with seats bolted to it, essentially, that was done in like the 90s, that wasn't it? So that tells you all you need to know. Um, and it's, the problem is, we get a thousand tickets and all the young lads want to go because it's a local away game at Derby, if you want to go, that, that's fair enough. But none of them want to sit in the seat they've got because their mates aren't there, as, as you'd imagine. Of course, that's going to be the case. So everyone tries to gather in all their own bits and lots of areas end up crowded. It's it's not a fun away home to be in, is it, at the best of times? And as no. a result, that's why when a goal goes in, there are surges and things like that. So it's one of those ones. I mean, Hartlepool have had that for years now. It amazes me that they've not done anything with that stand. I mean, they've not done anything with the whole ground, have they? For, for that long so it's, just, no, it's not that no. much of a surprise really so I remember when the away end used to be the opposite end when it had no oh. cover oh wow I didn't even know that was the case yeah oh. uh, we went there was it 94-95 when we beat them 5-0-5-1 was that the and day- then played Berry the next day and won 3-0 I mean that, that's that's glory days isn't it two games in a row eight goals in two games yeah. eh? they, they, players today don't know they're born with their you know the the long breaks out oh. between matches now. Oh, there you go. Um, right. Well, that's that's enough of the uh, the news section. Let's get into the match review. Um, so yeah, um, another away game, another draw. <laughs> See, I mean, we've only lost one on our road on the road. We've yet to win, but we're, we're proving a tough team to beat on our travels, aren't we? Yeah, uh, it was another one of those, wasn't it? If it had played another five or ten minutes, I think we would have snuck this one. Which we too long, aren't we? To get into yeah. away from home a little bit. I mean, I don't think we were brilliant on Saturday. No. I don't think we really got going till late on. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Patrick out, Dennis played, but was he 100%? Possibly not. Uh, it just didn't click at all, did it? No, it's a strange one because, like I said, we're, not, we're struggling to get those wins away from home. We're struggling to get the performances going early on in those games. We're coming to life in the second half, mostly, in these matches. But what I'd say is we're showing ourselves to be very resilient, aren't we? We're showing ourselves to be able to fight back when we go behind and to dig in oh, and yeah, get yeah. some sort of a result from the game. Give an example, right? Let's go back. Um, we're recording this on the Monday. So let's look to a year ago yesterday on the Sunday. What happened then? We got battered 4 0. We got battered 4 0 at Sutton United. Yes, yes. Yeah, Think back to that 12 months on. You would, you could not imagine this Car United side putting in a performance pathetic as that one now, could you? No. That's the big difference. We, we've gone from a side that looked an absolute shambles. Sutton and quite rightly got beat 4-0 by a, a fairly average side to one now that you know we'll go to these games and even if they're not at their best we'll still get something we'll still get a result and that's that's the key thing isn't it um, so yeah I mean going into the game Dan starting line up we, there, there was always doubt over the strike force wasn't there there was always a feeling of you know, maybe probably Dennis would be fit but Patrick maybe wouldn't be risked and, and that proved to be the case and Jack Stretton got his first start but then, just before kickoff, the knees broke, didn't they? I mean, we joked, didn't we, that we might replace the theme tune on here with the casualty theme tune because yeah. of the injury issues we've had this season. But Morgan Feeney in the warm-up pulling up, just not what we needed right now, is it? Not at all, no. Uh, especially as his captain as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
But it happened, and Corey Whelan stepped in. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Corey in a bit because I think he definitely deserves a lot of credit for for yeah. what he's done this this season overall, not just in this game. But um, but yeah, I mean, not the ideal thing. Obviously, Jack Ellis then stepped up onto the bench as the nineteenth man in the squad to to make that up. Um, but yeah, just in the, just having that coming in the build up as well, you just think nothing's really going our way in terms of injuries. Yet we're, we're still not we're not losing games. That's that's the, the mad thing. I know I keep repeating it, but it's it's quite incredible, isn't it? Um, well, that's it. I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but if, if we beat Grimsby by two goals, we go eight. Yeah, you know, which, which given the injuries we've had, won't be too bad, you know. I, 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 again, I put that down as a talking point for a bit, but I, I genuinely think that's a phenomenal start to the season, all things considered. Um. Okay, Dan, so let's get on to talking about the, the goals. So we'll talk about the chat. We'll mix the chances in because we always talk about the goals and goals and the chances. I think it's probably better if we maybe try and mix the lot in now from going forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, first half, not a huge amount of chances, was there actually overall for both sides, really? I mean, our two main ones were Owen Moxon, weren't they, basically? So, I mean, yeah. Oh, first one that actually came from a, a pretty tame shot from Omar Bogle up the other end, and we broke really quickly down the right. Um, did really well. Um, a good play found uh, Moxon on the edge of the box, and he tried a sort of sort of curling, dipping shot. But he just didn't get enough dip on it, did he? he went well over the bar, um, and then like oh, he had an even better chance, didn't he? It's one of those ones where he just didn't quite have his footing quite right, did he? For it, so ball from back in from the uh, the the right finds that Moxon with it. I think it was a poor clearance by the defender actually to the edge of the box, and he. And he's just trying to slide to it, isn't he? And he just loses his footing on his standing foot and sends yeah. it wide in the end. It's a bit unlucky, really, isn't it? Really, it's not. I mean, on the radio, they sort of described it as. I think James said it was. Oh, you know, really should be scoring that chance. And I don't think it was quite that good of a chance. It, it, it's a good chance, and he should probably be testing the keeper. But, but yeah, he was. He'll be. He'll be frustrated with it anyway. But um. But yeah, and then up the other end. Uh, Newport sent a head away from a free kick and then the goal. I mean, this was a frustrating one, wasn't it? Because it comes from us having the ball in the opposition corner flag to them going right up the other end and scoring, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it was Stretton, wasn't it? Yeah. He was holding it up and I'll tell you something, that lad got nothing from the referee, yeah. did he? Oh, I, I, I Absolutely put, shocking. I've not put the referee down as a talking point, but we will have to talk about it. Not, not, he... not so much as a talking point, just the fact that Stretton got yeah. nothing from him, you know. He missed two or three corners for us as well in the first half, which mm. baffled me as well. But, I mean, he's a championship referee. He should be a lot better than that, really. But, um, but yeah, you're right. Stratton didn't get any support, did he, basically? And he, he, someone, not even just in the ref there, but someone should be up there getting there. Finn back was just a little bit too slow to get up to him and maybe one of the, probably one of the midfielders actually really should have been the one there to support him, maybe Gibson or Moxon. So, a bit frustrating that ball comes to the pitch and Gibson actually did quite well at first too. To track back initially wins the first ball but then the ball gets loose and the lad gets away from him and yeah the ball in I've heard a few people say oh you know we got caught up yeah. for me I think Mellish is caught in not in two minds but caught in a thought of if I dive in here and miss it it's a penalty and I think he takes the gamble of not throwing himself in the lad gets to the ball just ahead of him and it's a really clever little finish actually the hell. it's a good finish from Mariah Welsh um and yeah, Newport have got a lead, and when you look back at it, we had another chance after that. We've, we're back, had a chance in the box where a ball in from Gibson on the right, nodded down by Dennis Gap. 
back sort of snap snatches at the shot a little bit. It's a difficult one for him to get anything on. The keeper says, "Really, they go into halftime one 0 up, and they've not really threatened us, have they?" And then that again, it's not the first time that's happened recently, where we we've probably had the better chances and yet not taken them, and the opposition get one chance, and that they're in the lead. Yeah, uh, we didn't create that much ourselves first half. They they get a half chance, convert it, and. One nil down half time, you know. Simon was very clear after the match; he was not happy with the first half. No, he felt the energy levels were right, and I, I kind of agree. I still think we played some nice stuff, though. We play, when we get the ball into space, we, we knock it about nicely with that midfield three. But I just, I just couldn't put my finger on it. We, we, we're just not taking those chances at the moment, and maybe we do need those extra attacking options on the bench to give us some options to put a bit more pressure on the other players. I don't know, but um, into the second half. Um, and, and and it took a while, but the, the goal, I mean, we talked about an unlikely source last week, arguably just as unlikely in his 50th yeah. appearance, having not originally been planned to start the game, Corey Whelan gets the equaliser, doesn't he? Mm, it does. Uh, yeah, it was a corner again, you know, mm. corner from the right. Uh, I can't remember who it was, went for the ball, and it's sort of think- on the near post run. I think it was Hunting, possibly. Yeah, and it just so it didn't get a good contact. It came across and it just it just sort of landed at Wheeland, didn't he? He just turned and hit a low shot and it, it's a really you know what, it's a, he probably deserves a bit more credit for the finish that he might get because mm. it, it it's a controlled finish. It's not he hasn't completely lashed at it. He basically said, I'm gonna hit this on the target with a little bit of power. And it takes a little bit of flick off a defender. I think it would have gone in whether he touched it anyway, the defender, but but yeah, fantastic reward for his efforts and, and shows just how well we're working on set pieces at the moment, doesn't it? And Huntington is the one causing the bother, but it frees up players like Whelan to have chances, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was uh no, it was a uh, just reward for uh, you know I think Paul Simpson's mentioned a few times about Whelan. Uh always ready to step in and values him and uh fiftieth game, nice time to score. Yeah, again, we'll, we'll we'll go a bit more in depth on Wheel in a minute because I think he yeah. does deserve a bit of a shout out. Um, there's only really two more chances in the game, one for each side. I mean, Newport long throw from the right flicked on really well into the six yard box, and I've watched this back, and it's Finn back who, who he having knees or chests chest the ball back to Holy. I don't know whether he was meaning to do that, but it comes across as very calm and very like wow. <laughs> if he doesn't get a touch, mm-hmm. then if you know the attacker's going to score a goal there. So really good stuff from Finn. Really good covering. Up the other end, oh, so close to potentially goal of the seat. Well, one of the goals of the season, wasn't it? From Paul yeah, Huntington. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a corner that comes in and it sort of just bobbles up, doesn't it, really, from a defender. Sits up really nicely and and it's not an easy chance to take this, you know, because he's having to run back to the ball. It's not sort of in front of him, has it? He's coming sort of across and back, gets around it and smashes a volley off the bar that couple of inches lower and it and like I said, you've got you know, a goal to win any game basically, haven't you? Brilliant strike and um and yeah, that that's it basically. That was the only other real chance. We didn't really create a huge amount after that and looking back on it, one one a fair result really. Uh yeah. Uh, no complaints. I don't think either side did enough to win the game. Yeah. Uh like I said at the top of the programme, uh Another five or ten minutes, it might have been interesting. I think we'd have pushed it close. But no, a draw was about right for me. 
I mean, I'm, we're very careful on here to, to not focus too much on the stats, aren't we? When you say stats can be misleading, but it is a positive to see that of the last few games, we're starting to dominate possession a bit more. Because early on in the season, we weren't doing that so much. We were, you know, 40, sometimes 30s for possession. 58% possession for this game. Um, in terms of past success, that's gone up a lot as well. So previous games, it's been 50 at best sometimes. 69% pass completion. So that that's a real good positive to take as well. So we're starting to dominate games a little bit. And this is not without a full, fully fit squad as well. So there's the real positive to take from that, isn't there? Last couple of games, I've been impressed with... Uh number of corners we've had as well. I think it's yeah. six on Saturday away from home, uh, 11 against Wimbledon. Mansfield game, funnily enough, we actually had zero corners. Yeah, that was strange. Uh, Roch- Rochdale, I think we had half a dozen or so, you know. it's And, you know, we, we highlighted how the Newport fella had uh, mentioned our threat from corners, so yeah. keep it up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see, isn't it? It's good to see. Well, should we do our... We've only got one 60-second review. There's only 188 Blues fans there, to be fair. So it's yeah. not, not a huge one to pick from. But um, Chris Foster, I know I know I've known him for many years, and he's a long-term listener. Um, he sent us a 60-second review from his trip to Newport. Hi there, Chris Foster here, Bristol-based Carlisle fan, giving my 60-second review of the Newport game. Nice, easy away day for me. Um, shame about the performance ought to have put a lot more pressure on. And um, I think we would have quite easily got a result if we'd been a bit more forward. A lot of missed opportunities to shoot or take people on where the ball is then played sideways. Didn't appreciate that too much. Um, referee was abysmal, but we got away with Gibson not being sent off, uh, which was, was a plus. Um, nice to see Corey Whelan getting on the on the goal sheet at the uh, in the second half, although all the energy went out of the game with the uh, prolonged injury um, with uh, to their number five. A better pundit than I um, said recently that uh, they weren't going to blame anyone for the goal, uh, but it was John Mellish. And, and again, a bit of a misunderstanding between him and Huntington led to a very scrappy goal. Can't say much more than that. Point on the road isn't the worst result, um, but we ought to have got more anyway. Up the Blues. What better pundit do you reckon he's referring to then? Is he referring to us or Lummy? I have a feeling it'll be Lummy probably. Because <laughs> we're not better pundits. I, I, I get his point saying Mellish was maybe a fault, but I, like I said, I think it's one of those ones where he's just he's just caught in those two minds of if I dive in here, I'm going to give away a penalty. So yeah, the lads nipped in really well, to be fair. It's a good play from him and a good finish. Um, he's mentioned Gibson there, which brings us on quite nicely actually to one of the talking points I picked out. That's Gibson discipline. Now we know that Jordan's dad, Andy, has listened to the podcast a few times. So if you're listening, Andy, please take this as a constructive criticism of, of Jordan. But that's the second time in three games he's picked up a silly, unnecessary yellow card for what you'd argue is dissent or, you know, not even like the, the tackle itself or anything like that, isn't it? It's obviously the one against Mansfield was kicking the ball at the player. That was just frustration and not getting many free kicks all day. I can sort of understand that. But this one. Free kick was given against him, and I think it was a harsh free kick. I feel like the lad had fouled him, and I think he yeah, was maybe yeah, given for like an, ac- well, an accident hand in the face. But when the player goes down like that, holding his face, you can't just try and pick him up. You can't. If you pick him up by the scruff of his shirt, he's, he probably is lucky that the ref has been a little bit generous to him there and maybe thought, okay, he's just frustrated. I'll just give him a booking. But then he, he dived in, and oh, I say dived in, he went in for a tackle a little bit after that, and obviously was probably lucky that he didn't get a second yellow there and then refs basically told him that's your last tackle and then Simo's taken out of the referee's hands and subbed him for Hilton. Um, 
he needs to learn to cut it out, doesn't he? Because, and I'm saying this because he's such a big player for us. And when he's on his game, when he's at his best, he is a top, top player at this level. He's, I mean, I listen not to the new podcast that we did the bit with. I listened to another one. There's another guy who's new to uh, League Two football. He started following Newport and he does a podcast with the guy who did the analysis tweets. And he described Gibson as like the the League Two De Bruyne. Which is probably a little little bit, uh, he did say, I'm being a bit, you know, I'm not saying he's as good as De Bruyne, but in the same way, he's a kind of player who starts out as a winger, but he's more playing as a number 10 and he drifts into those wide areas. And I can sort of see what he means in terms of that, the style of play, not the quality necessarily, but he, he, it, it's something he just needs to get a grip of quickly because the risk is, isn't it, Dan, that clubs are going to look and say, he's easy to wind up, let's get at him early yeah, on in the game. Yeah. Yeah, similar to how clubs seem to target John Mellish that we've mentioned before. Which is bizarre. Which because he clearly doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. no, just uh, it can be frustrating, especially in the position he plays, you know, especially away from home, uh, which, which don't want you to get a silly booking. Then if you do get a deserved booking, you keep talking about that, and then you're yeah. missing a game, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I think it's, it's just... Wanting to do well, isn't it? Yeah, I think I can can understand the frustration. Yeah, I think it's more highlighted by the fact that it's coming two, two in two or three games in a row, so isn't it? Basically, so two of those three it's happened, and it's and it's been quite the fact that he's been subbed not long after tells you that there's a realization there. Yeah, there's a worry of him. So it just it's the way he plays as well. He likes to win the ball back, doesn't he? He's not he's not an attacking flair player who just stands stands by and watches the game happen around him and waits for the ball to come to him. He wants to win the ball. He, he goes chasing it, which is to his credit. I just I just don't want to end up losing him for a few games because he is a big part of the way we play. And teams keep highlighting what a good... I mean, the guys on the D3, D4 podcast have all said they really like the look of our midfield of Moxon, Guy and, and Gibson. And, you know, they're guys who know their stuff in, in League 2. So, so yeah, just... just just calm me down a little bit, Jordan. That's all we're saying. That's all we're saying. Let, let's talk about Corey Whelan now then, Dan. Um, we, we've sort of slightly touched it already a couple of times, but full credit to him. I think this is where I think I definitely need to put my hands up here. I think we sort of both sort of felt on the pod in the summer, didn't we, that he was possibly this kind of player who similar might say, you're free to go and find another club if you want. You know? But he's he's knuckled down and you know there's arguments that maybe he's potentially fifth choice as far as centre-backs go now if you're playing a back three that always gives you more options still to be involved but his attitude seems to be a really good one and Simmer really appreciates that in a player doesn't he a player who's prepared to, to work hard and when the chance comes take it yeah uh, so, since, as I mentioned earlier Paul Simpson said several times about he's the he's uh, the classic sort of professional, you know, he comes in, does his bit, he's obviously well respected, you know, I mean, he's made captain when Feeney drops out, you know, that, that speaks volumes. He is vice-captain, isn't he, basically? He's a yeah, yeah. guy in terms of that, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's two or three times when he sort of stepped in this season and, uh, you know, he's, he's probing his worth. I mean, I, I think I go back to, like, the the the, the 2005-06 uh, season, yeah, Simon Grand that season, didn't you? He was always yeah. willing to step in and do a job when he was needed. Yeah, yeah. albeit uh, up, up front quite often <laughs> towards the end of the campaign, <laughs> yeah. wasn't he? But he was someone who similar always knew, right? 
he'll knuckle down. He'll he'll do his job when he comes in. He won't complain about the fact that he's not involved. So you're not going to be happy not to be involved. But he's more than capable of doing a job when he's yeah. available. In- I, I think also, I mean, originally the back three this season was going to be yeah. Mellish on the left, Feeney in the middle, Barkley on the right, yeah. with Whelan more as a backup. And then obviously yeah. Idahen came in. Obviously, Huntington came in as well, which, yeah. you know, we've got a little bit of a surplus of centre-backs, you could argue now, because yeah. we've got six of them, haven't we? But yeah. seven, if you include Ellis, you know. So. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we, we've got players more than capable of coming in there, and I think that's a, an area where we're, we're so strong, aren't we? I've said this, I said this to both the Crew podcast and the Grimsby podcast. I did bits for their podcast with them. And I said to him, I said, actually, when you look through it, you know, we talk about we've got some, you know, an exciting goal scorer and a really good midfield. Actually, defensively, we look. The problem is we've shipped a few silly goals in recent games, but overall, we look so solid in most matches, and that's a massive, massive positive to take, isn't it? Over the way we're playing at the moment, um, away woes. Um, still not to win on our travels this season. We've only lost one though. To be fair, that was the Stevenage game where. I think we all agree we just were not at the races that day. Um, if you go back into last season, that's nine away games without a win since the 2-1 victory over Barrow back in April. Any reason to be worried about that, do you think? I mean, it's one of those ones... I, I know we used it last week when we talked about, you know, we haven't lost at home for so many games. But I'm always a bit funny about dragging those records into separate seasons. If you look at this... Yeah, season, uh, I think... I think given the high turnover every club has now, you sort of have to draw a line yeah. when it comes to the summer with those sort of things, yeah. unless it's one of those classic, you know I mean? I think uh, Wimbledon, even Paul Simpson mentioned that on his post-match yeah, yeah, about yeah. how long it is since they've won games, you know. So, yeah, uh, I mean, if you look at this season, Stevenage, as you said, mm-hmm. we weren't good enough. Um, just going through the fixtures. Colchester, we did okay. Stevenage, we weren't good enough. Mansfield, you take a point there. We and, should have won it there. That's the thing with Mansfield. We could have won Yeah, <laughs> same with Newport. Given our record there, historically, and that, you're happy with a point. But again, could possibly have, have nabbed it at the end, you know. I suppose if you look ahead to the... Jumping ahead a little bit here to the Groomsby game on um, on, on Tuesday night. If you win that, you look and you think, okay, start of the season away from home, five games, won one, lost one, drawn three. You'd probably be quite happy with that, wouldn't you? As long as you and we hadn't lost at home yet either. On top of that, you'd yeah, be quite happy, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, what are we now? Is it thirteenth? Uh, are we still? I think fourteen points. Is it? I'm, I can't. I can't think what. What, what are we for? Three five three five one are we? Yes, I think we are. Yes, yeah, sorry. three five one. Yes, apologies. three five one. Yeah, three wins, five draws, one loss. Yeah, and you could argue, but certainly one of those draws, possibly two, could have been the other way around. It could yeah. have been another four points, and would have been sat seven seven for eight with that. You know, I mean, I look, I look at the Ro- the Rochdale and the Mansfield ones that stand out to me. I think Rochdale, we should have beaten them, even with conceding three goals. We probably could have scored five or six that day if we'd been yeah, really yeah. on our on our metal and yeah. um, the Mansfield game we missed two sitters at the end of the day that's the way you look at it and you know you, you, like you say you get two wins from them you're four points better off where you're sitting in pretty much sitting in seventh at the moment <laughs> that's where you'd be so that's with a game in hand as well 
So yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy about it's gone to that. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, all, it's all good. Um, uh, terms of um, changing the game, obviously Gibson did come off. We mentioned that. Um, good to see the positive app. Uh, impact that both Harrison Hilton had on the game really coming on as subs. I think Harris offers us something just a little bit more physical than Moxon, doesn't he? And Hilton's that tricky technical player. We haven't quite seen it yet. Enough in games. I, I think I said it at half time, didn't I? That this yeah. seemed a game for Harris. Yeah. Because there was the odd tackle going in and I think I think we you know, we we seem to think he enjoys that side of the game, so yeah. you know. Uh and Hilton Hilton actually looked alright, didn't he? Yeah, there was one. There was one lovely lofty ball he played in, trying to find Dennis, and he, he just overhit it slightly. And if that had come off, mm. what a pass through that would have been for him on goal. But yeah, he looked lively, and he looked like he could actually do a job playing in that wide role, couldn't he? If he wanted to play a four-three-three or a three-four-three as well, so I think there's, there's definitely options for him there. And it's one of those ones, isn't it? We've got to be patient with him because he's, he is a small, slight lad. It's going to take him a bit while to get used to playing at EFL level. But we can't wait forever at the same time, can we? That's the one problem. So hopefully he recognises over the next few weeks because he's probably going to get some chances in the near future because you know that midfield three is not going to stay fully fit for the whole season together, are they? So he's got to no. be ready to take his chance when basically Gibson is injured or whether we change formation and it throws yeah. up an opportunity for him. So uh, I do wonder if it's one maybe we might even look on. If, 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 if Patrick's not fit, do you maybe switch to a... A front three instead and stick Hilton and Gibson either side of Dennis possibly I know maybe a little harsh on Stretton but that's an option you could look at I suppose yeah uh, he's I mean I know he's appeared in that one we don't talk about but yeah yeah he's uh, he'll be chomping at the bit you would think uh, and like I say you know if he, if he continues like he did when he came on Saturday hopefully it'll all be good yeah, definitely. Um, got to give a shout out to Nick Bellardo. Made his EFL debut in this game. Obviously, we we don't talk about the trophy games. He made his, his first team debut, if you want to say, in that alongside Ryan Carr. But nice to see him now make a, his debut in the league as well, wasn't His it? league debut, yeah. Yeah, yeah good stuff. So reward. Yeah, he's only got a few minutes on the pitch, but it, it, it just shows, you know, if... if Simo's not, never been the kind of manager to just give players a chance just for the sake of it, even with injury issues. But he's giving him a chance later on this game and throwing him on, hasn't he? And show, said, go on, show me what you can do. So so I think it's a matter of time probably before him and Carr get given pro deals, you'd imagine. If they get you would certainly think they'd be favourites, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we tend to get those deals done for the ones that are exceptional quite early now, don't we? So uh, interesting to see how the pair of them get on there. Um, but yeah, Dan, before we get on to just doing a quick lead to round up, we're pretty much one-fifth of the way through the season now. Happy with where we are? Yeah. I think, I think, read I think, there's <laughs> not, not much more to say to that. I you think know. I've, I've seen a few people sort of getting grumbles and, oh, we should be beating Dross like this about Newport. I mean, Newport aren't Dross. They're still a decent side. They're on a little bit of a yeah. sticky run. They've still got some good, solid players in there. And like I said, when I look through it, the fact that we're sitting in 13th, 12th, sorry, I said 13th, we're actually 12th, um, on 14 points. Obviously, we've lost one game. We've got a game in hand, which if we win, we go to the edge of the playoffs, basically. And then we play crew at the weekend. We can pull away from them and they're just above us right now, one point above. I think with all the injury issues we've got, bear in mind, we've probably had an average six, seven, eight, maybe players out injured consistently since the start of the season. And most of them have been our attacking options. I think that's pretty good going, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
like I say, you know, we've we've had quite a few injuries at the top end of the pitch. Mm. Uh, we keep saying it is going to happen one week where we do click and batter someone. Hopefully <laughs> Tuesday or Saturday would be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice to see, wouldn't it? But I think I think Tuesday is uh, going to be a bit more of a test than probably we've had for a while. Like yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. But no, no. I'd rather be where we are than in possibly a false position. Yeah, yep. Right, well, uh, let, let's do a quick lead-two round-up before we get on to the uh, the preview section, Dan. Um, best ever start to a fourth-tier season from Leighton Orient. Nine wins mm. and a draw from the first ten games. I think the next best was York City in 92-93. I think after nine games, they had 24 points rather than 25, so obviously they couldn't match this anyway, but a phenomenal start for them, especially obviously beating Barry, who in second place. In, the, mm. in this game of the weekend. Interesting. Barrow's two defeats have been against the two teams above them now. Yeah. I have a feeling that, that it's not probably not a bad thing for Barrow. Sorry, to two be, of the three defeats. I guess, sorry. It's probably not a bad thing for Barrow to be flat track bullies, to be honest, because it keeps them away from trouble, is the way I look at it. And I don't sound negative. Well, you know, maybe I do want to sound negative about Barrow there, but I can't see them being in trouble just because they seem to be able to beat the teams down by the bottom. And get themselves away from that. So I think they probably put themselves in a position now where, yeah, it's not guaranteed they're going to stay up, but it would probably take a bit of a collapse from them this season to to be at risk of going down. I think. I know it's early days, but you you, you may disagree on that because you've always got money on them to go down. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's an, but yeah, Orient phenomenal start, isn't it? Really, all things considered, um, did some good work in the summer. Very selective with the signings, but really good work and. Richie Wellens, he's he's just a good manager, isn't he? Basically, <laughs> yeah, gets the best out of a team. Stockport, though, their woes continue, don't they? They're really not adapting yeah. to life in football. I mean, you sometimes see sides coming up that you know winners, champions, have a bit of a slow start, but with the amount they've invested overall, especially on top of what they already had in the summer, I did not see them struggling this much. Did you? No. No, and I think when you look at the squad, no. So you have to sort of ask what's going on there, don't you? I do wonder if David Chalner might be under under a bit of a scrutiny soon in terms of uh, how he's getting on there. Cause... I'm just looking at the league record. The last four games, won one, drawn one, lost two. Uh was the win against Harrogate there? Someone like that or something? I think it wasn't someone very good. They beat Wimbledon at home. Well, well Wimbledon. They drew with Harrogate. They beat Colchester at home. Yeah. Poor size. They're beating. Not, not beating anyone who's any good, mm. are they? That's the problem for them. Um, yeah, you do wonder if Dave Challenge might be under trouble. I mean, it does ask the question, what are their defenders like if you know, they let Ben Barkley go out and learn to us? And he looks, mm. you know, he looks more than capable this level. And they're quite happy to let him go on, out on loan. He just... Bring into question their judgment a little bit, I think it's fair to say. Um, big shout out to Rochdale, got their first win at the weekend, didn't they? Mm. Uh, this was a dramatic one. Did you see what happened in this game? They um, took took the lead through a penalty, Devante Rodney, and then uh, into the second half, um, a foul in the Rochdale box, and uh, Colchester got their own penalty. Freddie Sears stepped up, but uh, Richard O'Donnell yeah, saved I saw it. This, yeah. a great save from, the, from him as well, and that must be a real boost for them. But, I mean, for Colchester, they look abject. Apparently, they are going to look for an outsider for the, for the new manager. Because I heard, because I watched the Football League highlight on ITV, and they said, oh, uh, Steve Ball returned to uh, on an t- interim basis to take over. I'm thinking, hang on, was he not the manager last season or two managers ago or something? Or 
because it, it was Wayne Brown was in charge. Then it was Hayden Mullins, but it was Steve Ball before it. I can't keep up. They just seem to recycle the same managers over and over again, don't they? <laughs> yeah. So they really do need an outside face in there, I think, to, to freshen things up a little bit. Um, we mentioned last week, didn't we, about Walsall, Dan? They, they really cannot buy a win at all, can they? 1-0 defeat to Tranmere. Late, late goal in this one. 96th minute as well, so tough one for them. And Crawley Town. <sighs> they look a mess, don't they? Well, some of us predicted this. It really annoys me this because this is the first season I think that I've not predicted them to go down or be right down near the bottom. I thought they'd be solid. I didn't think they'd be up there like some may have predicted, but I thought they'd be they'd be solid. And they've just been awful. I mean, did you, did you see the 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 tweet they put out about where where they were going to be scouting on Saturday? Yeah. So for those who aren't aware, there was a, there was a charity football game that took place at the I think it was at the Valley, wasn't it? This weekend between a load of YouTubers. Now, I'm not down with the kids. I don't know if you are, Dan. I don't know if you're a big fan of the Sidemen or uh, or Mark Goldbridge or people like that. I've heard of Mark Goldbridge. <laughs> I've not heard much complimentary about him. No, no. That, that's, that's fair to say. It. Um, most of Man United, Man United most, fan, isn't he? Yeah, he's basically from Nottingham. He's not a real Man United fan. It's not his real name. He's got a weird posh-sounding name, hasn't he? I think he's a former police officer, isn't he? Or something like that. Yeah. He got into YouTubing and makes phenomenal amounts of money off idiots on the internet but um but yeah so it was a charity match between the side men which is a group of youtubers who do entertaining videos on the internet it's all for the kids i don't understand it and they played against another set of youtubers from the rest of the world and the, the, the crawley crypto bros wagner united who owned them said they were going to be scouting that game for um for potential signings now i know it may only be a joke or maybe trying to you know be you know work with the kids and everything. But when you're having as bad a season as you're having, just don't do that, do you? It's up there with it's up there with what they did before the opening game with that YouTube video of that guy talking about us, wasn't it? Yeah. It's uh, I feel it's I feel not, for the I feel for the genuine It's not Crawley going fans. to end well. No, I, f- I really do feel for the genuine Crawley fans there because it's it's really not going well at all, is it? Um no. just a couple more little bits here, Dan uh obviously Salford and, and Stevenage both got late goals again. They're still right up there, aren't they? They're having really good seasons. I mean, you said it before, I mean, Salford just seem to have got it right this year, don't they? Yeah, they just the seem that little bit better uh, organised. I mean, they're up to fifth now. Don't concede many goals. No. And interestingly, that they, um, they they won at Sutton, didn't they? And I saw the highlights for this. I mean, they must have had about 60, 70 fans there, Max. I'm not yeah, one to yeah, clubs yeah. and say, oh, they shouldn't be in the club the league because if you know they haven't got as many fans or anything. But... It's a bit disappointing when you see how low crowds they get, when the amount of money that's been invested into them and stuff. And I'm just convinced that Soul fans don't actually exist and it's CGI. That it, it was the thing. same with uh, the Harrogate following it's just weird, isn't it? it looked like about 54, bless them, you know. I mean, fair play to them for going and following their team that far for these games, but it's kind of one of these things. And I, I'm not I'm not one for saying clubs should be in the league because they're following, but it does sometimes make you think. Oh, you know, they're there on merit. They've, yeah. they've won their way up, you know, yeah. but. When you look at some of the teams in the conference, you know, yeah. Even in the National League. And lower, you know. Back to Dallas. We talked about before, getting Dallas to the back of the league. That's something we'd love to see. But but there you go. And uh, just one last one, just for you here, Dan. Uh, Keith Curl opened up his time at Hartlepool with a nil-nil draw against Gillingham. A team that, I mean, Gillingham are an abject team as well, aren't they? I think, I I suspect what Curl's going to do there is get them very well organised and just try and get a few points on board early on, isn't he? I think, like, like he tried to do with us early on, didn't he? And then it, 
promise it started to go a bit wrong, didn't he? And he just about pulled it back towards the end of the season. So, uh, so there you go. I don't think you want to talk about Keith Curl any longer, do you, Dan? So let's, shall, we, shall we move on? Yeah. So there you go. Right, we'll take a short break and we'll be back with a preview of the Grimsby and Crew games. This is John Mellish. You listen to the Brunt and Bugle. Big bad John there, continuing to have a, a very good season for the Blues. Um, yeah, so it's time to preview the Grimsby and Crew games. Um, Dan, have you got a question for me? I don't think you have, have you? I don't think you've had, you've no, had time to get no, on the table. I've, so, I've got a little question for you and for the listeners. It's a really good one. So I, I saw recently someone saying that the last time we, we won at Grimsby was uh, the 1 0 win, I think it was about four years ago, where um, Clint Hill scored a uh, a, a, one, a goal in a 1-0 victory. I think it was Clint's only goal for us, actually, that wasn't it? Big uh, train cannons, Clint. Oh, yeah, I love what a man he was, what a man he was. Anyway, when was our last victory before that? Now, you're going back quite a bit. At Grimsby. Yes, at Grimsby. And then I, what I want you to do is I want you to name the goal scorer that day and I also want you to, to name the starting 11, if you can. Oh, dear. So, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you when it was. It was in January 2006 was the last time we right. won at Grimsby. 2006 at Grimsby, which January 2006. Yes, January 2006. So that was the year we won the league. Yeah. Oh, let me have a think. Uh, Carl Hawley, did he score? Mm-hmm. Did he score? No, no he didn't. Uh, but he played. Uh, right, Carl Hawley, Derek Holmes. Yep, Carl Hawley, Derek Holmes. Uh, midfield, Lummy. Yep, Lummy's in there. Chris Billy. Chris Billy, yep. Simon Hackney. Simon Hackney, uh, I don't think he was even on the bench that day. Uh, no, but Simon Hackett was an unused sub that day, so no. Right. Uh, Keenan Westwood in goal. Yeah. I'm guessing Murphy and Livesey in the middle. They were two of the defenders, yeah. Uh, Ziggy? Ziggy did play. He actually played in midfield in this game on the left wing. Right, right. Ooh. So you're missing. So if he played left wing, Murphy possibly played left back. He did, yeah. So you're missing so, an obvious one for the Kevin Gray. The, Kevin Gray for the defender. Yeah, Kevin Gray yeah. was actually sent off in this game for a handball on the line when he actually caught the ball. <laughs> right back, Arneson. Yep. So you're missing one player. You're missing a midfielder. A midfielder, and uh, it's not Hackney. Uh... Adam Murray. Nope. So bear in mind, I've said you've got you've got you've had your two central midfielders in Lumsden and Billy, and your left winger. In oh, Brendan McGill. Brendan McGill. Yeah, there you go. So that's ah, your lineup. Yeah. So who scored the goals for United that day? Who scored in a two-one win? I'm gonna guess uh, Ziggy's in there from the fact that you mentioned he played left wing type thing. Well, he's in there. He scored both. He oh, scored right. a brace <laughs> in a two-one win. So there you go. Uh, your yeah, subs that nice. day were Glenn Murray came on for Derek Holmes, Simon Grant for Brendan McGill, and Adam Murray for. Carl Hawley and the unused. Ah, the money was on the bench. Yeah, right, Tony, right. Tony, Willi- Tony Williams and Simon Hackney. Grimsby were actually second that day. We were fourth. Michael Bridges didn't play because his loan had run out, basically. And uh, he didn't sign permanently until, I think, a few days later after that. So there you go. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's 
a little question there for you if anyone is listening at home um you give, give it a go yourselves as well of course um right so let's get into it then dan um so we've got two behind enemy lines sections for this week so what we'll do is we'll do um the grimsby one then we'll have a little chat about grimsby then we'll do the crew one and then we'll have a little chat about crew bit of a ass about face way of doing things but there you go um so yeah, for this one, um, I spoke to uh, oh god, you know, I didn't even write the guy's name down. The guy from <laughs> you'll you'll hear his name in a minute when I drop the clip in. The guy from the DN three five Grunsby Town podcast. Now, if you're wondering why it's called the DN three five, it's basically Grunsby Town's postcode, as you'll see me explain to him in a minute. Um, yeah, um, plenty to discuss about here. We talked about the fact that they were one of only four sides to have made a quick return to the football league. Do you know what the other three were, Dan? Us. Yep. Uh, Newport? Nope. Uh, uh, I'll give you a clue. They're both in League One. At the moment. Try to think. Fleetwood? Nope. Got quick, ret- quick return. They down. have to be relegated, don't they? So. Markham? Uh, no, because they haven't been relegated since come to the league either. No, I didn't think so. Uh, league one, league one. Uh, Exeter. No, they didn't make a quick return. They were for a few years actually. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Cheltenham. No. <laughs> Give up. <laughs> Shrewsbury Town and Bristol Rovers. They're the other two. Shrewsbury obviously ah, the third team to go for the playoffs, weren't they? Yeah. And Bristol Rovers. So, interestingly, actually, if I'm right, all four teams that have come up at the first attempt have done it through the playoffs rather than uh, winning the title. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the case, actually. Interesting one, that wasn't it? There you go. Right, so yeah, we had a good chat about making a quick return to the EFL. The, the takeover of the club that happened at the start of last season, how that's got on, and why Paul Hurst just works at Grimsby Town. So here's the chat I had with them uh, earlier this week. So I'm here today uh, for the Behind Enemy Lines section, one of the two we've got on this week's episode, with um, Alex from the is it DN35 Grimsby Town podcast. Yeah, it's our postcode because we're not important ah. enough, so we've got to go with Doncaster. <laughs> that, that, that baffles me, a Doncaster postcode for Grimsby. It's yeah. A, it's a different county. <laughs> it's just it's, strange, isn't it? Yeah. You actually have to go across another county to get to us. I can so, yeah. I can always get it with Barrow and and Lancashire because you know LA because they were once part of Lancashire. But has Grimsby ever been part of Yorkshire? I don't think else is it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's that's a controversial okay. subject. I, I, won't, yeah, I won't get onto. Yeah. It. I won't get to that. Let's get straight <laughs> straight into the chat about all things Grimsby Town instead. Then, um, so Alex, let's go back to. Uh, I'm not sure you don't want to, but the summer of 2021, you. Went down to the National League, returned after a few years with a bit of a whimper, I think it's fair to say. And you dropped into a division with a lot of big spenders. You know, you're talking about your your, your Wrexhams, your, your Chesterfields, your, your Stockport Counties. You must be thinking, wow, this this is quite daunting. And yet you've come back at the first attempt managing something that only ourselves, Shrewsbury and Bristol Rovers have managed in the last 20 plus years. I mean, you must have been... Maybe a little bit surprised to come back so quickly. I mean, there's most there's a lot of uh, sort of dazed and confused codheads wandering around <laughs> northeast Lincolnshire still. Um, yeah, I mean, and one of the things we had is we had experience of non-league as well. And you, I yeah. assume, you're watching everybody Oldham are going through it, Scunny are going through yeah. it, uh, Scunny really I, are going through it. Aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> 
Um, nobody. It's one of those things of these are scenes we wouldn't like to see. While all Grimsby fans are rubbing their hands together, yeah. going, this is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, you go through that moment. We've already done it. So we understood we were going to lose to Wealdstone. We understood we were going to get hammered at yeah. Bromley. Yeah. Um, so we went into it fully expecting, look, it's going to take a couple of years. You've got Wrexham. Like Chesterfield at the time had spent 250 grand on Tishmanga. Incredible, isn't it? Incredible. Well, wh- wh- where the hell they got that money from? I have no idea. Yeah. I assume the, the bank account is still looking for it. But, um, yeah. uh, and then Wrexham, obviously, sorry, underdog Wrexham, as they say on their <laughs> podcast. On their uh, TV show. And then, um, yeah, you had Stockport County who were, you know, they were just so eager to get out of there. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, you had the, the, the half-decently run clubs as well, which we see with like Harrogate and Sutton yeah. coming up and like best of the rest. Um, yeah, and then it was just three mad um, three mad uh, sort of uh, playoff games where we won them all in the last second of extra time. Uh, beat Wrexham 5-4, which was amazing. I, mean, I was going to ask you about that Wrexham game. That, I watched that on BT's, but I was I was supposed to be doing some cleaning around the house that day, and it, I, I just saw, had it on in the background, and I ended up just sitting down and watching the whole thing because it was engrossing. It was, I mean, the, the quality of football wasn't the best as you expect the national league level, but in terms of entertainment, I mean, for your heart, I imagine it wasn't much good. <laughs> Firstly, how dare you? Secondly, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. It was, um, it was stunning. I mean, I'm looking forward to the last episode of that documentary. I'll tell I think you that. We all are. I think we all are. Yeah. <laughs> speaking, speaking as a Carlisle fan, who Aaron Hayden, who plays for them, they signed from us. They they basically put a bid in for him before the literally the day before the opening game of last season, which completely screwed us over and left us Lovely. up, you know, up a creek without a paddle. So to see them struggling a little bit, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's annoying because I've watched that documentary and actually the Reynolds and McKenley come across quite well in it. They and do. I, yeah. I really want to hate them, but it, it's tough. It's tough. But there you go. And there you go. Um, yeah. Well, they've got Sean Harvey on it at least. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Brings you down a peg, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, it was it was it was stunning, and it was um, it felt very much because it was three it's three playoff games, and because we finished rank bottom of the playoffs, we played yeah. every game away. So it felt like a mini World Cup. Yeah, um, we were like, oh, who've we got in the next round, sort of <laughs> thing. And um, it was we just it was just that moment. I think like you, we'd worked out Jordan Cropper could throw the ball really far. Yeah, um, and um, no one else had we hadn't picked up on that yet. And neither had any team that we were playing. So <laughs> I think that helped. But it was just it was just one of those special moments. And it'll be something that I will bore people to tears with for the next 20 years. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah when, we, when we came up, it was one of those things like coming back on the first attempt is so vital, isn't it? Because you can find yourself stuck down there for quite a while. As I mean, as we've mentioned just before, yeah. list of some of the teams that have done it is, is incredible. Let's talk about the man who did it then, Paul Hurst. I mean... I mean, yeah, if, how big a part is he playing the rival? Because obviously he was the manager who took you down. I'm doing that with inverted commas there because I think the rot had set in well before he came in. I think we, we won't talk about the man who was in charge before him because I know from last time we spoke to you, he's not a popular person, let's say. Um, Paul Hurst, though, what is it with him and Groomsby Town? That's, you know, two spells now as a manager. I think, what, five years over the first one? of a bit of a joint manager spell there as well. But it just seems, it just seems to be per- a perfect fit for him and your club. 
He's he's underrated. He's massively mm. under. He took on so he did a great job at Shrewsbury. Probably yeah. a little bit of a bottle job. He'd probably admit, but given the resources, I yeah. thought a job well done. Ipswich are a massively underrated basket gates club, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then Scunny, are, well, you saw what happened. Yes. With Scunny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we're kind of lucky. Uh, Rotherham have just lost their manager, and he is their second leading record appearance player. Oh dear. So. <laughs> <laughs> the the vultures are circling. We were lucky enough to interview the owners of our club uh, on Thursday night, mm. and we asked them about it. And uh, their owner, one of the owners, said, "We've got him locked in the car boot." <laughs> uh, so, yeah. um, so hopefully that's not an issue. But um, you never know. Um, sort of, you know, heart wins overhead sometimes. So I could imagine. But he just, I don't think you'll find a harder working manager in football league. He's got an incredible knowledge of the players, uh, that sort of the system. He's again pulled out some sort of rabbits out of the hat he's he's yeah he's not he's pretty gareth southgate like quite sort of conservative with a small c um and you know we'll we'll never sort of pass we'll never pass a team to death sort of thing mm-hmm. but um it will be um we'll always we'll never sort of never say die sort of thing i mean to be fair when you look for your squad it, it's not packed with you know star players or anything so he's clearly a good coach isn't he he's clearly someone who you can get the best out of a you know, a bunch of players and look, so I can get the best out of their particular qualities. That seems to be what he's really good at. Yeah, absolutely. He he. Can, one of the things you hear time and time again from players is, I want to come back. I want to come yeah. back and work with him. I want to work with him and Doig, and we're getting a good coaching staff together, yeah. uh, which is really underrated, I think, and something we probably mm. don't talk about enough. Um, and players want to play for him. So it's brilliant. Stunning. Yeah. Really, really good to hear that. Um, in, in terms of, obviously, coming back into the league this season what what are the expectations for this first season back are you, are you pretty happy with the start because I mean all things considered again you've not made any spectacular signings but it just looks like steady as you go and building on what that fantastic finish at the end of last season well yeah and given sort of what we're both we're both a game behind everybody mm. else so you're going oh look well, if we win our game in hand yeah, everybody I think we're does. both saying that we? yeah we'll yeah. be you know, we'll be in the playoffs so yeah. um we, I, my expectation was anything higher than fourteenth. Unbelievably, we have never finished higher than that since two thousand and six. Wow. Uh, yeah, which is yeah, well, it shows sort of what an idea of an ownership we used to have. Um, and so, it will be nice to get to that point because then I think players start looking at you. Not only are we doing things well anyway, but mm-hmm. um, they're then going actually they're not a team that are going to be fighting near the bottom, and then we can push on again. Uh, but we were saying that last season, and then we sort of yeah. just drunkenly like a pub crawl ended up in league two uh so you never know it might happen again um you mentioned about your in terms of your previous ownership obviously i think that came to an end was it last summer the new owners came in or just before that how how are these new guys been viewed because i remember talking to you guys i think it was towards the end of last season and you were all quite excited about the prospect of these people coming in because i think that they've got links to grim at the very least haven't they i mean i suppose getting you back at the first attempt is a pretty good go of it but in terms of stuff off the pitch how are they doing ah uh, i i love them you can't yeah. you can't wish for anything else uh their local boys done good they're talking about the process so jason stockwood ran um sort of two of the times number best places to work employee yeah. companies um says all the right things when we talked about Hurst leaving, apart from saying, oh, look, we've locked him in the car boot, said, look, if he goes, that's obviously, a, that's, that hurts. But it's we want to be a place where people 
not only exceed and, and go on, but then will go on because that's the nature of football. And yeah. we've got to trust our processes behind it. We're not, we're not, we're not idiots. We know we'd have to think of things in, and put things in place, and we do. So, yeah, they're, they're amazing, and they're doing all the right things. I'm nervous. It's too good. <laughs> yeah, there's always a worry with that, isn't there, really? Um, in, in terms of your squad, um, ask about Max Krokemar. He was on our books, I think, for a couple of seasons. Didn't really play. I think he may, mostly played in the trophy games, really. He was a backup, and yeah. basically our first choice was... I'm not even sure he actually played a league game for us, now I think about it. How has he gone with you, guys? Because he left us. He went to Solf, and then he went back to Australia or to the... Oceana, yeah. at least for a bit. How's he done? Yeah, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. He he replaced a long-term goalkeeper in James McEwen. Yes, who's done, yeah. only who's only who the only person that kicked him out of the squad before that was, as you guys know, Dean Henderson. Yes. Um, yep. So um, he was brilliant, and um, he's been. He was in his testimonial year. Max came in. I was. I'll be honest. Look, he had a couple of dodgy bits, uh, like mm-hmm. not helped by the defence. Uh, but since then, his he can collect. I've never felt calmer with a ball getting crossed in the box than mm. I have since Max has been in. Oh. He is Danny Coyne-esque, which is a massively niche Grimsby reference. I, I remember Danny Coyne. He must, did he make some insane amount of appearances for you guys? I always remember on Football Manager particularly. I always used to try and sign him, but he never yeah. went to Grimsby back in the day. But yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. He was he was phenomenal, and uh, Max is brilliant. His kicking's brilliant as well, really clean and direct. Um, and he, we've we've sort of assisted a couple beautiful football, beauty mm-hmm. football, sort of you know, goal kick, knock on goal sort of thing. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, he, he's been great. Um, he really has. In, in terms of the rest of your squad, who who are the danger men you'd you'd pick out for us to, to watch out for? I mean, Ryan Taylor's always one that stood out for me. Is you know at this level, he's always been a real you know proper good target man. But who else would you pick out? Yeah, um, we've got Andy Smith on loan from Hull City at the centre back. Mm-hmm. He's nineteen years old, and he is, oh, he is beautiful. I would <laughs> I, I, like. I want to get promoted just so we can go. Can we kind of sign him? <laughs> Alex Alex Hunt has signed with us on a three-year deal from Sheffield Wednesday. He is phenomenal. You can tell by his passing. He's uh, from a league above. Really crisp, really quick. Um, and um, on top of that, you've got people like uh, Jordan Maguire. Drew, if he plays, he's sort of in a bit of a green, uh, sort of a purple patch at the moment. Uh, really tricky uh, winger, uh, can score a, a beauty. And he was the one that scored the goal that got us uh, the win at the playoff final. So uh, you've got a couple, but... It's about sort of the team is sort of not settled yet. So we've got a couple of options as well. Well, I've uh, kept you quite a while here, Alex, and I know we're, we're going to be talking on your podcast shortly. So um, uh, before you finish, a um, couple of things. One, uh, can you guarantee that it won't be a, a washout again this time? <laughs> it's the game because that was... Uh, that was... It was something else, wasn't it? That, that you, you saw the tackle, didn't you? That one was worth the admit. <laughs> ad- ad- surely I, worth four hours of anybody's day travelling. I mean, it's one of those ones where I think the referee's giving him a little bit of slack for the weather there because I think any other time he'd probably been in a little <laughs> bit of trouble with that tackle but um, I mean it was ridiculous wasn't it I mean he never should have I mean we have a group chat with, with some of the Carla fans I'm with and I remember saying to them what, what, what odds are we taking on when this is going to be called off I said I reckon 23 minutes and then when the rest stopped the game in 23 minutes I was like am I God or something do I know this but it obviously played it a little bit later yeah. but, but it was it, it was fast guy. and to be fair I don't think he'd be t- you know, it's not one where you can blame the clubs is it really the, well, of God like that. I, I we used you used to have a manager who, when we played you, he whined about our pitch being too dry. Who was that? I it had been a couple of years ago, so it had probably been twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Oh, that probably be most likely that'd be Keith Curl then, probably. I don't yes, 
So, so I, I, I'll be honest. Right. Curls, curls are dividing uh, sort of character <laughs> with Carl Alphonse, to say the least. You guys are, you know, you're just Goldilockses. You, you, what will please you? <laughs> yeah. Too dry, too wet. You got to, yeah. I mean, firstly, Carlisle, you can't moan about a pitch being too wet. But, uh, you know. It's just we'll do our best, but you know. <laughs> what I'm going to say about, what I'm going to say about <laughs> the waterlogged pitch thing is that actually, funny enough, but I know this sounds ridiculous. Thing, but all the times when the floods have happened <laughs> in when 2016 or whatever it was, we haven't had a game called off for a waterlogged pitch in I think it's 15, 16 years because we redid, right. we redid our pitch in 20, 2006 with a really good drainage system, and ever yeah. since then it, it it's only when the water table goes very high with the floods. That there's any problem other than that you wash that every time so just look at the draws in it sometimes yeah and it came down to this is really weird but it was a high tide as well so the water table yeah. underneath was actually yeah. quite high it's, you know, it's, a, it's a fair point to be fair. You, you are literally if anyone's not being complete <laughs> right by the sea you know you couldn't get much closer um well I've, I've taken up a lot of your time alex and we are going to be chatting soon so before you go prediction for this game uh we are absolutely terrible at home you'll win two nil wow you you were the first guys we've done who predicted us to win one of these, which is, is quite incredible. So uh, Yeah, but it's just, you know, it's just, you know, reverse psychology. Yeah, yeah. It's I like imagine that's you... what it is for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex, thanks for your time and uh, all the best for the rest of the season after this game. Yeah, absolutely. Speak to you soon. Yes, thanks once again to Alex. There you see, but while, while we were putting that clip in, I, I double-checked what his name was. It is Alex that I spoke to from the DN35 uh, Grimsby Town podcast. Really good chat with him, very very lively and uh, and yeah really positive stuff for Grimsby Town right now isn't it I mean they've, they've had interest in that I think he said that they'd never finished above 16th since 2006 that season we just talked about actually with that game against them yeah, yeah. that's the last time they finished above 16th in in League 2 That that's quite an incredible record isn't it really all things considered um but yes, it's f- fantastic for them and, 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 and how well things are going off the pitch as well in terms of the new owners. So uh, yeah, going into this one, uh, referee for the game. It's the same as the original game, actually. It's uh, Simon Mather. Um, it is uh, second season as an EFL referee, taking charge of six so far this season, handing out 26 yellows and no red cards. Last season, though, he handed out 137 yellow cards and 10 red cards in 32 games. That's high, isn't it? On average, a, a red card nearly every three games. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Um, last season, uh, last, in fact, last United game he took charge of was uh, back in February this year. They 2-1 defeated Salford City. Morgan Feeney and Joe Riley were booked that evening. Interestingly, we talked about this in the first half of the show, Dan. He took charge of the defeat at Sutton last season, the 4-0 defeat, where he sent off Manny Mampala, quite rightly too, for an appalling challenge. So can't, can't really grumble about that one, can we? Um, no. Tonight, it's actually, or tomorrow night, sorry, it was recording here, it will be the 50th meeting of the two sides. Uh, we don't do well against them, do we? We've got a really bad record. In fact, I think this is one of the ones, if you look at the head-to-heads, it's early on that our record is really, really apart, like really bad. We do not win much against them at all early on. So going up, going back to 1908, our first meeting in the FA Cup where we lost 6-2 to them. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we've only won 11, we've drawn 14 and we've lost 24. So a bit of catching up to do on Grimsby on that one, unfortunately. Um, yeah, in terms of their summer activity, Dan, in terms of, I mean, We'll get to a point soon where we'll probably stop focusing on the summer transfers. I think we're still just about at the point where we can talk about that, aren't we? Um, some really interesting signings for them, isn't there? Particularly the the lads they got in from Halifax. 
Yeah, Niall Maher's the one that stands out for me because he was quite raved about, wasn't he? He was briefly linked with us, wasn't he? I think I'm sure at one point yeah. there was suggestion yeah. that he might be a player we were after, but he obviously he's gone there, and um, by all accounts, he's doing very well there. I think Anthony Glennon was on loan at um, Barrow at the end of last season. I think, yeah, possibly yeah. he seems to be doing quite well there. And Otis Khan is that perennial name that we always talk about, don't we? And, yeah. Um, he just never quite hits that potential. He's been linked with us two or three times in the past, hasn't he? And the moves never happened. And there's always a feeling like there's a lot of potential there as a player, but he never quite lives up to it, does he? Yeah, well, it's kind of one of them who's just floats around, doesn't he? I'm mm. just, uh, I'm just bringing up his uh, who he's played for. Tranmere, Mansfield. I was going to say Mansfield's the one that sticks in my head. Have I got all of them right there? Yeovil, Mansfield, Tranmere, and Walsall. Grimsby, Orient, Walsall, Tranmere, Newport, Mansfield, Yeovil, Barnsley, Barrow, Sheffield United. Oh, he's been everywhere, hasn't he? It's, yeah. it's, it's one of the, when does it get to a point with someone like him? You think maybe he's not quite capable as a football league player, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah frustrating one. But uh, by all accounts, he's doing fairly well there. Um, John McAtee is one who, who did really well for them last season, didn't he? And um, he left to join uh, Luton and some of. He's come back on loan, hasn't he? So. That's a little bit of a bonus. And I think they got another player on loan from Luton as part of that deal as well. Um, the big loss for them was Ben Fox, wasn't he? Because I think we, we we watched a bit of National League football last season, didn't we? And we, we both picked him out as a player who looked really impressive, actually, yeah, for, really for Grimsby. Really good little midfield player. In terms of the overall squad, uh, one familiar face in there, isn't there, in goal for, for the Mariners, in Max Crocombe. Yeah. Um, as I said to, to Alex on the chat there, barely played for us so I can't really comment too much on, on what he was like as a Carlisle player because um, he played in games that I didn't watch um, but other than that he looks a good solid squad actually doesn't it Gavin Hulahan was a good signing for them why Hartlepool let him go last season I don't know that was a very strange move um, Sean Scannell feels like he should be about 40 years old now he's been yeah I, I don't think he's featured I don't think Have he's you featured oh, there you go maybe no. he's not as much Jordan Maguire Drew's another name I recognise from the National League season and I think Ryan Taylor actually is one I think I wouldn't he's kind of player I wouldn't mind seeing at Carlisle he's a good strong target man isn't he and every club he goes to I think he's always really appreciated for the for the work he does really as a holding up the ball and that kind of thing yeah well, he, Ryan Taylor we all know what he does uh, the worst players we could have you know yeah, exactly, exactly that. Um, do you think, I mean, I'm trying to think back to when we did the season preview, we we were quite middling on Grimsby, weren't we? I don't think anyone mm. thought they would struggle, didn't think they would be necessarily up near the top, but I suppose that's the advantage of having someone like Paul Hurst as manager, someone who, take away the Ipswich job, which, as Alex said, Ipswich are an underrated basket case club, aren't they? In terms of you yeah. know, issues they've had, I think they finally sorted them out this season. They look like they're they're on course to have a really good campaign. Yeah. With, uh, I think it's uh, Kieran McKenna who's managing. Kieran McKenna, who was at Man United, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Very well thought of. So take that away, and obviously Scunthorpe, we know are the ultimate basket case club in recent years, yeah. right near the bottom of the National League. Now he's a good manager at this level, isn't he? He knows how to do things. Yeah, he, he knows what it's about. Uh, he'll have his contacts. Uh, yeah, they're, they're looking. They're looking all right, aren't they? You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, of the two upcoming games, I certainly think this could potentially be the harder one. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like that. Even though, even though the tenth and eleventh, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One, one, uh, one, one thing with, with Grimsby, there's not many goals in their games, is there? No, that's true. And obviously, last time out, they, they, they played against Swindon Town and lost 2-1. And Taylor did score in that game. Taylor doesn't score that many goals, but he did score the goal for them. And they said, yeah, by all accounts, they did not play very well in this game. So there's kind of a feeling of like, if they go into that with the same performance against us, they could be in trouble, albeit they're maybe not quite so aware of all our injury issues at the moment. But um, but yeah, it's um, in the form table though, overall... It, that was their first defeat in quite a while, wasn't it? In fact, that first defeat since the opening day, that loss to um, to Grimsby, sorry, Swindon, which was quite an impressive record, mm. really. I think Swindon haven't lost since the opening day either. So that, again, that's really good from them. So, um, so yeah, I think I agree. I think this could be quite a, a tough one. Um, do we want to do our predictions now for this one, or do we want to save them till we've uh, we've done the crew section? We don't do them now because it's two separate games. Right, okay, let's do them now. So come on, let let's have your Grimsby Town prediction. I'm going to go for a 2 0 win with oh. goals from Jordan Gibson and Christian Dennis. Oh, okay, so 2 0 win you're going for there. Oh, what am I going to go for on this one? Uh, I'm going to go for a 1 0 win. I think Jordan Gibson will get the goal. 1 0 mm. Jordan Gibson. First time I've not predicted Christian Dennis for ages. So <laughs> guarantee he'll definitely score a couple now, though, my luck. There you go. Uh, right, let's have uh, Mike's prediction for this game. So I'm going to back a 1-1 draw with Paul Huntington on the score sheet for us. Okay, so he's going for another draw. Mm. Can't, can't end that run of uh, not winning away from home, according to Mike. But there you go. Right, uh, let's move on to the crew section. And once again, we've got a behind enemy lines section on this one. And this time I spoke to Stuart. I've got the name written down this time. From the uh, the Railway Men podcast. Um, what did we talk about with Stuart? Well, we talked about what he described as the worst ever season he's seen following crew. And he's followed crew probably as long as I followed Carlisle, so since, what, the early 90s. So, yeah, he described it as, in terms of performances and just the football, the worst he has seen. And obviously, resulting in their relegation from League One. Um, the pride that he takes in the club's academy and the ability to produce players, but also the, the downside of that and the fact that they're not making as much money these days on some of those signings, uh, sales even, which I think is the case for a lot of uh, clubs at our level. And uh, how concrete Rod and Kelvin Miller are getting on at Cresty Road. So here's the chat I had with Stuart uh, at the weekend. Stuart, last season must have been a real hard slog for crew fans. I mean, you spent, I had a look before because I found this website that shows you obviously your progress throughout the season in terms of position. And bar the opening game, you spent the whole season in the bottom four. Where did it all go wrong for David Artel? Because it seemed to be doing such a good job there. Obviously, you got you promoted out of League Two, but... It all just seemed to fall apart last season. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, imagine trying to find new things for a podcast to talk about <laughs> each week. Uh, I, I'm the real victim here. Um, where did it all go wrong? God, I tried to sort of blank last season out my memory now. I've talked about it so often. Uh, players leaving, players not wanting to be there, injuries, contract situations, players deciding at the end of August that they, they wanted to leave and effectively going on strike and forcing their way out of the club. It was a nightmare. Uh, it was it was horrible to watch. I've been watching the Alex since the mid nineties, mid to early nineties. Um, easily the worst season I've watched uh, with the Alex by a long way. I, I would say. Yeah, must, must must have been really really tough one to to work your way through. I mean, especially for fans. What you know, considering this was the you know the first full season after COVID and that kind of thing, the chance to actually watch the team live for a lot of people and. To, to have to put up with that <laughs> can't have been much fun at all. I mean, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, six sure. six games. I think we won all season. I think in the league, a couple more in the cups, but not many. Uh, yeah, it was slim slim pickings. I mean, it must have been a case of like even pretty early on the season, must have been like, well, we're going down this season. What what what's the point getting excited about anything here? Because I mean. For Wimbledon, it was kind of a slow death, wasn't it? I mean, that they, the first half of the season, they weren't that bad, and then they had that horrendous run. And for them, it must have been mm. tough. For you guys, it must have been like quite early on. You're like, yeah, there's not much chance of getting out of this. Is this? <laughs> that can't be so, much fun at all. So I think I first thought we were going to get relegated in September uh, wow. last year, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I kept those views off the podcast till about <laughs> October, November. Yeah. Just because I don't want to be negative, you know, I, I, I want to make a podcast about a, a team I support that are doing well and I'm supporting. But last year, um, it was difficult to do that. Um, and yeah, I think it was October, November. I said, I just don't see anything other than relegation for this team, this squad. Wow. Um, as a club, crew have always been really respected, haven't you, for the work that your academy does in terms of bringing through talented players go to play a much higher level and as a result earn the club a lot of money as well and you invest a lot of money into your academy probably more than any other club in, in League 2 at the very least it, it must be something that fans can take a lot of pride in but I suppose a bit frustrating because it's sort of inevitable that they're always going to leave and it makes it difficult for you to pr- progress up the leagues it's one of the things that I'm most proud of about yeah. my football club that I support. Yeah. Uh, but there is a feeling at the moment amongst fans. I think it's still the minority, yeah. um, but I think it's a growing minority of, is it worth it? Um, and part of that comes from the fact that we just aren't making the same money from the transfers that we yeah. used to. Um, we lost, this is the other thing as well with last season, we lost in an 18 month spell. Um, Perry NG, Harry Pickering, Ryan Wintle, Charlie Kirk and Owen Dale. Uh, they are all now uh, in the championship bar yeah. Owen Dale, who's just joined, well, Tommy Lowry has just joined him, who is the other one who had a year left uh, at Portsmouth. So high end, you know, I think they're top yeah. two at the moment, or they were yeah. last time I checked. Yeah. So losing those players is going to be a key reason why the squad underperformed or didn't perform last year. Uh, but also, if we sell those players, we want to be making the money to make it worth it. Um, we didn't really, I don't think, get anywhere near the money we should have done. Owen Dale went for nothing because he was the guy I was alluding to before about going on strike. Yeah. Harry NG had six months left on his contract, went for about half a million. Harry Pickering went for 750 Um these players are good. Like Harry Pickering, for example, will be a Premier League player. I think he's the only one I'm confident in saying that about, yeah. but he is now one of Blackburn's best players. He's a left back and he's um, he's just absolutely smashing it in the championship. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he will be picked up by a Premier League team at some point. Um, the others I'm not so sure about, but these were players that, you know, back in the 90s, early 2000s, that Dario would sell for a million a year, you know, and that would tick over for the next year. And then we would do it again the next year just doesn't happen anymore so whilst I I love the academy I really do I I love the fact that we play crew lads in the crew way that have been schooled by crew uh, and there's very much that feel amongst the club as a whole from the the board down to the staff down to players to the fans we all know that Um, it is becoming harder and harder to maintain it I think I mean that's the challenge for I suppose a lot of clubs at this level I mean mean, you guys still get Decent ish fees for players, whereas a lot of clubs struggle now because of the EPPP setup, don't they? It's it, it just screws clubs clubs over, and we know that from experience. If we've got two goalkeepers in 
who've been at, at us in James Trafford, who's now on loan at Bolton Wanderers from Manchester City. He left us after EPPP came in, so we didn't get that much money for him. It was a bit frustrating. Whereas Dean Henderson, who was in our academy, we're still getting decent money from him now because he left before EPPP. So it, it suppose it shows the difference, doesn't it? For clubs at our level, it, it, it's not been that great a deal, has it? I think it's fair to say. No, and you know we get screwed over with that as well. Um, yeah. We lost a couple of lads to Liverpool. We've lost a couple of lads to Chelsea. Further back, we lost a couple of lads to Stoke City, uh, which is disappointing. You know, yeah. there are there are local rivals. I mean, we've been in very different leagues for a yeah. while now, so it's difficult to say they're our big rivals. But the idea that going to Stoke is better than Crew as an academy prospect is disappointing i think but yeah. it's just the way it is you know i don't i don't want to take up too much of your podcast yeah, time no, talking fine. to you about the it's people people that run football and the clubs at the top of football and how they're just destroying the game for everyone else involved but i mean i could i could spend a good hour talking about that if you wanted to Probably. but that's not what you've invited me on for <laughs> right. we, we could quite happily talk about that because it's, it's frustrating to us as well well to, to talk about coming let's talk about your manager alex morris so um I have to admit, when we were doing our pre-season preview, I had to look up a bit about him because I was like, oh, I don't recognise that name. Who is he? And then I realised he's got no playing experience, but he's clearly been a part of the fabric of your club for, for many, many years now. He retired at the age of, I think it was 23, wasn't it, due to injury. He's never made a first-team appearance, but he's worked his way up yeah. in coaching roles, and now he finds himself as the main man, as the manager. That must be a huge challenge for him, though, to, to pick up a side that's clearly devoid of confidence from last season and try and turn it round and try and stamp some sort of philosophy on the team? Because he's clearly very well thought of if they've decided to give him the role. Yeah, uh, I think when Dave Arto was sacked last year, uh, probably the word inevitable is probably fair. Um, mm. I I was very vocal. I wanted a process. I wanted people to come in and have an interview, whereas it seems that Alex Morris has pretty much gifted the job of manager. Mm. Um, nothing against him as a person, as a coach, and what he's done for the club already but I wanted other people to come in and just to see what was available, what, you know, and we had people that used to play for crew that came up through Crew's Academy expressing an interest. So mm. Rich Walker, who's in charge of development at Stoke was interested. He was turned up to games. Justin Cochran, who was uh, England under 17 manager. Then he was yeah. at United. He's now left United to go be head of, I think he played development at Brentford. He yeah. didn't, publicly say I want the job at crew but he played for us he knows the, the system he knows the club yeah. and he came to watch the first game after Arto was sacked so clearly he was saying if you want to talk to me yeah. I'm available yeah um so Alex his playing career is non-existent you know almost yeah. um but he was one of those people that Dario was really good at in keeping around football yeah. um if you weren't going to make it then um then yeah I'll train you to be a coach the other example of someone like that is someone who is absolutely flying at the minute is Neil Critchley, who's obviously just left his job as yeah. manager at Blackpool to yeah. go take over as Stephen Gerrard's assistant. He is literally the same, same story. Uh, didn't make it as a first-team footballer at Crew. stayed on at the club, learned how to coach from a very, very early age, uh, and then he's gone off to Liverpool from Crew, gone to Blackpool to take that job, and now he's with Gerrard at Villa. So Alex Morris has seen that. They know each other. They're friends. Um I think his way is different. He stayed at Crew. He's been loyal to the club. And I think that was part of him getting the job was that loyalty being repaid back mm -hmm. to him. Uh, so hopefully it works. I, I really do hope it works. Like I say, I, I just wish there'd been more of a process. Um, and to go to your other point about turning the tide, I think that's what the first aim is. Last year was 
so bad. It was, yeah. you know, we would turn up to games and I would say, there's no point watching. We're going to go one nil down. And as soon as that happens, that's the end of the game. It's just how long can we hold out for um, by the end? Yeah. So I mean, that had to change. Yeah. In terms and of your I, hope... I think he, yeah, so, yeah, come. Sorry, I was going to say, in terms of your hopes, hopes for this season, um, is, is that basically then the aim, essentially to sort of steady things out for a little bit and rebuild towards maybe challenging next season for promotion? That's not what the club said. At the start yeah. of the season, the club said promotion, but I think every club has to say that. Otherwise, you know, they're getting all sorts of trouble from fans. I personally said somewhere around 12th. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you look at the table now, we are somewhere around 12th. Yeah. Um, it is a disappointing season because I think it started off, there is promise within this team, but they're not quite good enough yet. Um, they... The results at the moment have been a bit frustrating and it's the lack of creativity, I think, that's annoying because I want to see crew get the ball down. I want to see them playing nice football and I want to see them creating chances. And there's not too much of that at the minute. So the results haven't been great and the performances haven't been great. So it's not the best watch at the minute, but it's such an improvement on last year that I think most fans are happy to see this. And it's sort of, uh, it's got a bit of a free pass right now that won't last forever, but at the moment, so long as we're doing okay and the points are ticking over, then I think it's okay. Well, let's talk about players with links in both squads. Um, I mean, first up, we'll start with the uh, with the two from your squad who've got links to Carlisle. That'll be Kelvin Mellor and Rod McDonald. Now, Kelvin's spell at Carlisle was a, bit, a little bit shorter than Rod's. Um, both solid players for us. We were both, you know, fairly happy with, with with the jobs they did. But I don't think there was a, you know, there wasn't shedding of tears when they both left. And some it was just, you know, thank you, all the best, and. You know, good luck for wherever you go next. How are they both sitting? I mean, Kelvin Melly, you'll know for years. Obviously, you've started out crew, didn't he? But Rod McDonald's coming yeah. in. And from what you were saying to me when we spoke for your pod, is that your fans have been quite impressed with him so far? Yeah, the, start with Kelvin. So I think when he signed, <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but I've been told this is true. Uh, so I'm going to pass it off. Um, <laughs> the club signed him first in the summer and they didn't announce it because they were scared of the backlash of jobs for the mm. boys, re-signing these ex-players and all of this. Uh, so we signed Connor Thomas from Cheltenham. That He was announced first and then the next day, Kelby oh, Mello right. was announced. Um, I said at the time when we signed him and then you know pre-season, if he's been signed as a right-back backup and he's come back and done his, doing his coaching badges, which is, I believe is what he's doing with the Alex now, he's doing his badges at the same time as playing. Fine, happy with that. You know, that's the system we've got at the club. Um, and he's pretty much played every minute of every game. And he's oh. been, most, on the most part, fantastic. Um, he's really solid. He's bigger than he was when he was a young lad at the club the first time round. He's obviously more knowledgeable on the game. Um, and I think the thing that surprised me the most when I first started watching him this year is he's still able to get up and down the pitch. I thought that might have gone with the fact that he is now at the end of his career rather than the start of his career. But yeah, he's been really good. He has made a couple of errors. The biggest one was in the Pizza Cup game against Bolton. So if you're going to do it, do it then. Yeah, uh, exactly. No one cares less about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in the league, he's been mostly solid. Um, Rod McDonald, again, <laughs> quite a lot of negative feedback. And I know the people that are going to be listening to this are mostly Carlisle fans, but signing a centre-back that wasn't good enough for, was it 20 plates of Carlisle last season? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, signing up. Signing a centre-back from 20th place, Carlisle, who was deemed surplus to requirements, was not something that went down well with the majority of fa- the fans on like Twitter or anywhere like that. Uh, but yeah, he's been superb. He's uh, starting 
centre-back, along with club captain Luke Offord. And the two of them are doing really well together. They seem to have formed a partnership. Luke Offord's a bit better on the ball. Rod McDonald's a bit better at doing the dirty stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're doing okay. We've kept more clean sheets this year than I think we did last year already, which, you know, it's not saying a lot, but um, it's a start. It's somewhere to, something to build on. So, yeah, I think both of them have been good, solid signings. And I think most crew fans would agree with that. Well, let's talk about the one player in the Carlisle squad who's got a link to crew, and that's Corey Whelan. Now, again, we mentioned him just before, I think we were having a little chat, and um, he's not one that um, pulled up many trees at uh, Crew's Fair, so I just had a brief loan spell with you guys. No, he was, yeah, he was just on loan from Liverpool. Um, he was one of, if not the first, Dave Artell loan signings when he came in as manager it was a while ago now and I think yeah. the fact that I'm struggling to remember what he did <laughs> probably sums him up yeah. you know he came in he wasn't terrible he wasn't great he was a young lad yeah. on loan from a big club gaining that first team experience and you know the player that you have now I would imagine is different to the player that we had six seven years ago yeah I mean whatever it was he's a, he's a solid performer he's Corey you know he, he's reliable enough He's got the same issue as Rod in that he's got no pace at all. And and if you can get him on the turn with a bit of pace, he will struggle to keep up quite often. But realistically, he probably there's a chance he might play in the game, but he's probably fifth choice centre-back out of the six I think we've got, I think, at the moment. So, yeah, that said, though, he is vice-captain, <laughs> strangely enough. But, um, right. but yeah, he, he's, he's a good, solid, reliable pro. And I think Semo really likes his attitude, actually, in the way he's um, basically responded to the fact that he wasn't involved that much last season, but he, he he's always been reliable when he's been called upon. Um, well, let, before we get on to the predictions, any danger in your squad that our fans should keep an eye out for? Um, I think most most crew fans' current favourite player is Courtney Baker-Richardson. Yeah. Uh, he was signed from Newport in the summer. Uh, Newport lost both their starting strikers last year with mm-hmm. Don Telford obviously going to Crawley. I think... Again, we were sort of a little bit like, oh, we've got the wrong one. You know, Dom Telford's the one, the top scorer, <laughs> uh, gone to Crawley, you know, Bitcoin bros and all of this. We played Crawley a week ago and we won 1-0 and Courtney Baker Richardson scored. And he's started off life at Crew like he's just, he's born to play at Gresty Road. He yeah. He's just been such, such a nice breath of fresh air after watching last season. He's a big striker. He loves to get involved with defenders and all of that. He's, he's got a red card in him at some point this season. You know, I'm convinced. Uh, but I don't care because it's nice to see a yeah. crew player put himself about. We don't get many of them. Uh, you know, we're, we're known for nice playing, maybe a little bit easy to beat, that sort of thing. You know, if you get in our faces, you can't do that with him. That's not, he's not going to yeah. let you. Uh, and he's just scoring goals. I think he's, you know, he's on seven already. I think he only got 10 last year at Newport for the whole season. So, uh, yeah, it just, at the moment, it seems to be working with him for him at the club. And you know, from my point of view and from crew fans' point of view, long may that continue. Um, unfortunately, there's not too many others. We've scored one goal every game in September so far. Uh, well, completely, because we're going to be playing on the 1st of October. So, yeah, we scored one goal in every game in September. Um, our main attacking creative player is Callum Ainley. And he's a very much someone that splits the fans' opinions. He's one of our academy players that is still there. Um, and normally, if they're still there, there's a reason why they're still there. Yeah. Uh, he's 24 now. He's not really kicked on. I probably wouldn't have given him a new deal. I was made to eat my words at the start of this season. He started off really, really well. 
last few games he's completely gone off the boil and then he went off yesterday with what looked like quite a serious arm or shoulder injury so he's probably almost certainly going to be out for the game on Saturday that does leave us very very short on creative players we've got a nice solid base now in terms of the defense and the the holding part of the midfield the place where we're lacking is anyone to you know create chances create play but I think that's not a surprise. Most League Two teams, I think, you know, aren't overflowing with little diminutive Portuguese number 10s. Um, so, yeah, that's where crew are currently poor, I would say. That's fair enough. Right, I've kept you for quite a while now, Stuart, so thank you very much for your time. First, no before problem. you go, though, let's have your prediction for the game. Um, well, I think from what I've seen and what I've heard about Carla, it's similar sort of problems, solid maybe lacking a bit with creativity, you know, possibly, possibly, except for a couple of players. So I'm going to be optimistic and I'm going to say Rod and Kelvin will keep a clean sheet and we'll win 1-0. Ooh, 1-0. Okay, that first home defeat for the season for us then, if you think. Right, Stuart, thanks for your time and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend's game. No problem. Yeah, thank you, Lee. Okay, thanks, Stuart, for that uh, little catch-up we had about uh, Crew Alexandra. <laughs> One again, we're probably not quite as positive as the Grimsley lads there, Dan, but, you know... Th- Crew are always a side that are going to produce good young players, aren't they? So there's always a, an unexpected element, I suppose, to the way they play. Yeah, I mean, they're no, there's no, they're known universally for the for their, you know, bringing players through and have been for a number of years. And just mentioning fees there, I think I think you find now, whereas you used to maybe get half a million, a million pound up front, yeah. you'll maybe get half of that now, and it's all. Add-ons, isn't it? That's, yeah. It's all padded out with add-ons. It's uh, but even those it's a different game now. Even those add-ons don't necessarily get you all the way up to what you, you previously. No, no, I mean, not at all. Not at all. I mean, they're, they're probably looking back and thinking, you know, when they sold Dean Ashton for was it five, was it five million something they sold him for back yeah, in the day, yeah. and oh, yeah, Nick yeah. Powell going for a million in in league in league two. Also, we got Andrew Grant for Jared Brownfrey at that age, but. You, they're, those kind of sales are very rare these days at this level, aren't they, really? So, yeah, definitely. So there you go. Um, in terms of information on the referee, it's not been announced yet who's going to be refereeing this game, so I haven't got that detail, unfortunately. Too early in the week. Too early in yeah. the week, yeah. That's, that's the problem with doing the double header on a, uh, on a Monday rather than on a, a Thursday. So there you go. Head-to-head record. Uh, one of the clubs we've played the most times, actually. I didn't, it never really occurred to me this, but obviously they would have been down at our level quite a long time until they got to the championship and sort of the mid to late 90s um 96 meeting 42 wins for us 14 draws and 39 wins for the railway men so fairly well balanced actually isn't it really in terms of results between the two teams i think it's fair mm. to say not many draws there is there no there isn't really so hopefully guaranteed a bit of entertainment for this game of the weekend uh, you'd hope um in terms of cruise summer transfer business Underwhelming? Is that a fair assessment? Do you think? Yeah, definitely. Especially when they signed uh, <laughs> two players that we let go, <laughs> McDonald and Meller. Yeah, yeah. I think Meller's uh, obviously they, got the they, connection they, there, hasn't he? But yeah, they, they didn't bring many in, really, did they? Eight altogether, and I think three of them are on loan. You know, it's not the the biggest. They got they got rid of a few, as as we know. You know, but uh, I'm, I'm just 12. looking. I'm just they let twelve go. Mm, I'm just counting them up. Twelve. They let go I'm just sort of looking through the signings and their squad, and it's a tight squad. Not, Twenty-one players. Yeah, there's there's not much stands out, is there? 
But what I say about that is, as, as we said before, they can always rely to, to throw a 16 or 17 year old in, and yeah, they're probably yeah, going to be better yeah. quality than, for instance, a 16, 17 year old that we're oh, going to yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I don't know if a lot of our fans will realise, but in terms of category academies, I think we're category three, aren't we? In terms of yeah. the got, they're a category two. So they put like a million pounds a year into their academy because they know they're going to get it back. Well, in the past, they've known that. It's a bit more challenging now. But um, but yeah, so th- so they can always rely on throwing a young player in coming up uh, through the system. But yeah, I, I look at it and I think, particularly in defence, I mean, McDonald and Mellor are both starting games. Um, they felt Mellor was coming in as a backup you know, towards the end of the season to do his badges, this season, his, camp- his career, sorry, to do his badges, you know, back at crew, his first club and that kind of thing. But it seems they're quite reliant on him, which which worried me a little bit because he, he was okay for us, but didn't pull up any trees massively, did he, really? I mean, in terms of options, who would you rather have in there now, Dan? Would you rather have Kelvin Mello or Finn Back? Finn Back. Every day of the week, wouldn't you? Yeah, way he's even though he's not our player. Exactly. So, yeah, that, that shows the difference. Um, Callum Ainley, as, as he mentioned there, is one of those pl- young players who is threatened to be a good player for them, but he's, what, 24 now? And if you haven't really got the big move by the time you're 24 there, are you ever going to be, you know, the, the next big thing at crew? Probably not, are you? Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one for him. And then, it, like I said, in attack, Baker Richardson, it's, it's mad, isn't it? You look at the, the, the two lads who left Newport in the summer, Don Telford and Baker Richardson. You'd have thought Crawley had maybe got the better deal with getting Telford in, but actually it looks like Crew have got a much better deal, don't they? With Baker Richardson getting all the goals. Yeah, he's, he's, he's scored a few goals, hasn't he? You know, yeah. he's uh, six in ten in the league. Yeah. Did he did he start at Aston Villa? I imagine that in my head. I'm just, just trying to double-check it and look up his career, but he's... Uh... Uh, Swansea. Swansea, was that right? Okay, well, that makes sense, I suppose. Yeah. With, uh, with um, uh, what do you call it? Newport. Uh, Newport, yeah, but... Um, but yeah, he's an interesting one, isn't he? Because he's obviously he had his time at Newport. He didn't really do much there, to be honest. He's had quite a few loan spells looking at non-league clubs. In fact, he started at Coventry, actually. He was at Coventry for quite a while as a young kid. But um, but yeah, he's had his spells at uh, Barrow and Barnet and other few other clubs, but seems to have found his feet at, uh, at Crew. I think sometimes players just fit other clubs, don't they, really? So, uh, so there you go. Last time out, um, again, we're playing against sides that have... Um, Suffered defeat, 2-1 defeats at home in the next two games. Um, Crew lost 2-1 to Mansfield. I mean, Mansfield are flying high, so team they're going to be teams, aren't they? But um, it's the way they Indeed collapsed. Well, they, well, that's true, it's true. That's which, well, just how good we are, though. I'll just get that in there. <laughs> um, but 2-1 defeat. But the most disappointing thing is they took the lead on 70 minutes, Crew, through Baker Richardson, and then they conceded on 87 and 90 plus 3 to throw away at three points and then a point even that shows a bit of fragility well, that could there well for us because we, we tend to finish quite well don't we that, that's the first thing I thought I thought was great yeah. we finish games strongly now let's take the positives from that so uh, yeah. what I hope is that when we go into this game we're not just going to knock the ball long because it, Rod McDonald will soak that up all day and he'll win all his aerial challenges against Dennis and against um, against even Patrick if he's fit you know and probably Stretton as well if we get the ball on the floor, play it around him, get him on the turn. That's the thing with McDonald. It's not so much that he's slow. It's on the turn he's really slow, isn't it? That's where he's got an issue. Uh, yeah, well, we, we know that uh, Rod isn't the quickest uh, cruise ship's turn quicker, to be quite honest. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's probably why he is at the level he is. He, you know, 
at this stage of his career, if he had a bit of uh, pace when he turned, he'd probably play at League One level, you know. Yeah. But uh, no, he's he's what he is, isn't he? Yeah. So it's definitely it's weird. I say it's a it is a weakness, isn't it? He's like a pace with the pace we've got in some of our plays. I think I think Stretton's got a bit more pace than he gets credit for. Actually, to be fair, he looks quite nippy over a few yards. So get him on the turn up with Rod. Don't don't let Rod get. He's got to get into his head straight. And if he starts his game, hopefully be Patrick fit in the nicest way possible. But just just don't let McDonald get hold of you early on. Because if he starts getting hold of you, you'll struggle. You've got to get him on the turn as early as he can. Um, overall form wise, crew. I mean, their recent records are not particularly great. They've only won one of the last six. Um, three draws and two defeats in that period as well. Um, yeah, I think think for them, it, it, it's a season of consolidation for crew, isn't it? Really rebuild and get them probably get a couple of youngsters into the squad and get themselves ready for next campaign i think i know that i know they're up there at the moment but it doesn't it feels like a little bit of a false position at the moment maybe yeah 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 i wouldn't expect them to be up there i'd, I'd fully agree with that okay well let's, let's talk about uh united um injuries wise doesn't get any easier does it um i suppose there's a little bit of hope in there and that it sounds like patrick might feature on tuesday night against grimsby hard to tell of it i wonder if he might look and think another journey in a bus let's just wait until the weekend make sure he is fully fit for that game rather than risk him do you think yeah um, uh, if he feels in have him on the bench possibly yeah possibly might be give him 20 minutes towards the end yeah. you know um but one positive is it sounds like edmondson might be fit for the weekend yeah, uh, you said uh, last week that uh, I think it was Edmund, was it Barkley as well, uh, on the grass, which is good to hear. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking ahead a little bit here, Dan. I'm looking ahead to, round about a month's time, we play Stockport um, away in a midweek game. And by that point, we should have Edmonton and Patrick both fit. We should have Barkley back fit. We should have Toby back fit as well. Hopefully Morgan's thing is just a slight little strain and he only misses a couple of games. Have him fit. At that point, you suddenly look and think, right, we've got some real options here, don't you? It's getting through this next three or four weeks, really, isn't it? It's that's key. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, if, if, if we're still, you know, if we can get a couple of results... Whilst waiting for these players to come back, we're going to be in a decent position. I think even as we much are, as that, if, stay, staying undefeated, even if it means maybe you have in in a free game period you have a win and two draws, fine, live with that. That's practically one point. It's over one point five points a game, which which is a good record, really. You know, you, you're pretty much putting up, you know, three points every other game. It's, that that's the key thing I think for us at the moment. Get through that period, and if you stay to the point where you've only lost one game coming into what. 12, 13 games into the season, you'd be pretty happy yeah. with it, wouldn't you? So yeah, that's the way to look at it, definitely. So feeling is Tuesday night for Grimsby. We can't really look ahead to crew in terms of the lineup, but the hope is if Patrick's fit, probably maybe not risk him keep on the bench and just go with the same starting eleven that, that eventually started against Newport? Or, mm. or do you maybe bring Hilton in or do you, you maybe just keep him as a sub for now? I think Hilton's just off the bench at the moment. Yeah. Uh like I said, well, Gibson's going to score as we predicted, so... Yeah, you know. can't, can't drop him then, can you? <laughs> There's no way no. you can do that. There you go. <laughs> right, well, let, come on, let's do our predictions then for the uh, for the 
um, oh, which game it was now? The the crew game. Let's have your prediction for the crew game. I'm going for a three-one win. Uh-huh. Gibson's going to get his second goal in a week. Christian Dennis is going to score, of course. That's just the stock answer these days. And I'm going to go for Owen Moxon finally hitting one that goes in. Oh, there you go. Right, that, that's the predictions there. Uh, right, crew game. I'm going to go for a 3-0 win. And I'm going to go Dennis, Edmondson and uh, John Mellish will get the other goals. That's my my three goals. goals. Here's what Mike had to say for the crew game. I'm going for a 2-0 win with Jordan Gibson getting his first of the season and Christian Dennis getting a goal as well. <laughs> There's so little variety in our choices at times, isn't there, really? But there you go. Um, right, there, there, there's Mike. So that's Mike's uh, contribution for now. He will be back next week. I'm going to try and get him onto next week's show, basically, because he hasn't been on for a while. Um, in terms of the predictions-wise, the, the, the table stays the same. You've got eight points, I've got seven, and Mike's got four, because none of us were mad enough to predict a Corey Whelan goal, were we? So... Uh, so there we go. Uh, X-Files, Dan, uh, quite weak as you'd expect with the uh, internationals. Yeah, it wasn't the uh, wasn't the busiest of weeks. Uh, Ryan Borman scored the winner for Shrewsbury in a 2-1 win over Burton. Uh, Aaron Hayden scored in Wrexham's 6-0 win. I think Wrexham are coming up this year, aren't they? It, it's a straight fight between them and Chesterfield, isn't it? Really? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's the, the big fight at the top. Yeah, uh, Mark Beck, regular at the moment. He got a brace for Darlington, 2 0 yeah, win over Peterborough Sports. Still does my head in this. We've, we talked about this the other week, didn't we? It's, yeah, it's utterly yeah. ridiculous, but there you go. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Dave Simonton scored the opener for Workington in a 2 1 win over Skelmersdale United. Yeah, they're, they're uh, Other news Brad Potts won Championship Goal of the Month for his brilliant volley against Luton. I think we mentioned that when yeah, he, quite right, he right. scored it, didn't he? And uh, James Hooper, who we mentioned, uh, I caught this on the radio yeah. on Saturday. His new club is Runcorn Linux. Great stuff. Uh, there's two clubs in Runcorn, Runcorn Town and Runcorn Linux. I always think that's mad and non-league level, especially when they're at a fairly, fairly similar level, to have two two clubs. It, it just seems a bit a bit crazy. I mean, the, the ultimate one is, you know, do you know the crack about Northwich Victoria? There's been like a split between the supporters and the, the people running the club there, isn't it? There? So there's two clubs. There's the original Northwich Victoria, but then there's a split a club called 1874 uh, Northwich. It's it's always a little bit crazy, isn't it? But, uh, but yeah, the, the the history of the Northwich area clubs is very interesting in recent seasons. But, but Northwich were in the football league years ago, weren't they? Like in the very very early days, I'm sure they were, weren't mm. they? I'm sure they were a football league club, and and yeah, they they've had a Quite a history when you when you think back to the fact that we were playing them in like preseason friendlies and we even played them in the uh, in the national in, in the conference, didn't we? Towards the start of the season, but they weren't playing in Northwich. They were playing at Witten Albion. Yes, as well. So it's, uh, they're all, it's all they're all interlinked. These places. It's crazy. Yeah, basically, they end up players basically just switch between them all the time, don't they? It's it's yeah yeah very interwoven. Um, that's it then, done. Thanks very much once again. Thanks again to our sponsors, the London Branch, uh, for their support. Um, upcoming episodes, obviously, we'll have a preview for the Hartlepool game, which will be back to sort of the normal time next week, where we're done. We'll, we'll get something proper done for that. Um, but yeah, other than that, the interview episodes, hopefully we'll have one of them coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're hoping to get one out. Um, in case you haven't guessed, I'm obviously hoping to sort some interviews out on Thursday, basically, which will... Uh, 
will be coming your way in the near future. Um, and, and yeah, that's it, I think, isn't it really, Dan? There's not much else to say at the moment. No, not much, no. no. I'm looking forward to the, the interviews. Yeah, should, should, should be good stuff, actually, really. And uh, yeah, well, like I said, there'll be special episodes. They'll probably come out sort of earlier in the week rather than towards the end of the week. So you've got a couple of things to listen to going into, into the match day. Uh, Dan, thanks for your time. No bother. Thanks everyone for listening and up the blues. Up the blues.